Esther chapter 3. We'll dismiss the three years old through six years old to go downstairs. And as we do that, some are saying, praise the Lord. But um, Second Peter, and it may be the kids that are saying that, amen? Second Peter chapter 3. We have been studying the book of Second Peter on Wednesday nights, and it is a blessing to me to study the book, but it's also a blessing to see so many others studying the book. And we're asking you to read over the same passages five days out of the week. And as you do that, you get to know the passage, um, various things um, that you didn't see the first time you read it. And what a blessing it is that we have the opportunity to do that. I know that you've been reading over Second Peter chapter 3, but I want us to read beginning at verse 1, at least down through verse 13, if you'd follow along in your Bible. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which to stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we are able to rest in and to have confidence in your word and to know the peace that it brings in our lives. I pray today that 
you would open the eyes of our understanding to the truths of your word and that your spirit would truly make personal application in our lives that we then would live out. Lord, it doesn't do any good if it just stays here. I pray that you would produce eternal fruit as a result of our time together as we look to you to do the working. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter has been addressing the believers here, and he warned them about false teachers, and now he's specifically addressing the the believers, and he wants them to be warned so that they are not lured into the heresy of the false teachers that were devoted to the world's ways. The false teachers exploited the doctrine of God's grace. They abused the doctrine of spiritual freedom to justify their illicit sexual indulgences, to justify their love of money, to justify their love of human praise. And and they did all this with the denial that Christ is coming back, and they denied that, and they denied that Christ would interrupt any of their plans. And so Peter addresses that, and he doesn't want these young believers to to be lured into this. He he doesn't go into a a Bible study on prophecy. He he just keeps it very simple. And he says, the world you love is going to burn down. Don't give yourselves over to the pleasures of this world. Don't devote yourselves to accumulating money. Don't spend your life building monuments for the praise of the world. It's all going to be gone. And he brings these believers back to some very basics. And, and we want to look at, at four basic things that Peter addressed and reminded these believers of. Number one, deniers can't change the truth. He says here that there will be scoffers that will come in the last days and they will say, where is the promise of God's coming? Yeah, we've heard about that all our lives. He hasn't come yet. In fact, all things continue as they were from the beginning. That's what they believed. And then he says they are willfully ignorant or they on purpose ignore the facts. They are willfully ignorant. If I mention May 1980, that may not ring a bell with many of you, but if I mention May 1980, and I put with that Mount St. Helens, how many of you can remember the details about that? All right. 
the National Geographic carried an article on Mount St. Helens, and this is quoting their article on Mount St. Helens. Old man Harry Truman, not the president Harry Truman, but a, an 83-year-old man named Harry Truman had built a cabin by Spirit Lake, Mount St. Helens, is in the state of Washington, and Spirit Lake sat at the base of it. He built a cabin on the slopes of the Spirit Lake, and he lived there for 53 years. Year after year, everything was consistent. The seasons, the weather, everything was consistent. But then the mountain started to awaken. Residents were asked to leave. Warnings were given. Park guards came to the cabin of Harry Truman to tell him it wasn't safe. Television reporters and newspaper writers interviewed him. He, he said, I just cannot live anywhere else. He was part of the mountain he maintained, and the mountain was part of him. He laughed at and cursed all his visitors. Then, on May 18, 1980, the mountain exploded, and Harry Truman perished under hundreds of feet of volcanic ash. That volcanic ash, even here in Iowa, darkened the sky. Um, it, it made layers of ash from Washington clear to the Midwest, of course, closer to the the Mount St. Helens, the deeper the ash was. I can remember my brother lived in the state of Idaho at the time and sent us pictures of his cars and everything just covered in ash. Well, Harry Truman was one who was willfully ignorant. He denied that I've lived here 53 years and this has never happened. I'm a part of this mountain and I'm going to be okay. Harry Truman perished under feet of volcanic eruption and ash. And in the day today that we live in and always, there have been mockers who do not heed the warnings of Scripture. And they make claims that the Bible is not true. But you can rest assured, no matter what their claims are, what degrees they have after their name that shows that they are an expert, anyone or anything that denies the truth of God does not change the truth of God. I can remember years ago hearing Dr. Glenn Jasper say, just because you don't believe in hell, God doesn't send the fire engines of heaven out to extinguish it. And just because people deny certain things does not mean that it changes the truth. You can deny gravity all you want, but it doesn't change the reality of the law of gravity. And truth is God's law. And there have always been people that deny it, and there always will be people that deny it. 
but it still does not change the truth. And as believers, we should not allow those that deny it to cause us to doubt. Wow, you know, it has been a long time that we've been saying the Lord is going to come and, and He hasn't come yet. Uh, maybe there's maybe there's something wrong in what we're looking at here. No, you get in, you look at Scripture, you see what it says, and yes, He hasn't come yet, but they denied that He would come the first time. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a virgin. They denied, oh, that could never happen. But He was, at the perfect time, born of a virgin. He came and lived a perfect life. And there are people yet today that deny it. They deny that He rose again from the dead. If he did not rise from the dead, they could end this discussion once and for all by bringing forth the remains of Jesus Christ. But they never have. And anyone who denies the truth does not change the truth. Just because I don't believe something doesn't make it different. We live in a society that there are no absolutes. They like us to believe that, but they say that statement, which is an absolute, or they want to portray it as an absolute. But the reality is, although I may deny the truth, it doesn't change the truth. Truth will always triumph. And you need to rest in that. As believers, we rest in that. Truth will always triumph. It will, it will always rise to the top. And we rejoice in that. But you notice Peter's writing, and he said, there will be scoffers. Don't let them uh, deceive you. They cannot change the truth. And then he says, verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Judgment is coming. There is coming a day, Peter's saying, they scoff, but you can mark it down that judgment is coming. No one knows all the details about it. We can study certain prophetic passages to learn some, but we don't know all the details. But we don't need to hesitate to stand firm on, on the conviction of Scripture that it teaches that, one, Christ will physically return, that there will be a final judgment, 
that heaven and earth are both real and the resurrection of our bodies is a certainty. We recently looked at the two judgments that there are. A judgment for believers, the judgment seat of Christ, where we will answer to God for what we've done in our body after our salvation. And then there is the great white throne judgment for all those who rejected Christ, that they will be condemned to an eternity in the lake of fire because they rejected Jesus Christ. But Peter is saying, rest in this fact that judgment is coming. It is important for us to understand that. There have always been those that don't like the hellfire and brimstone imagery of God's judgment. They prefer a kinder, gentler God who will be uh, nice to sinners. And they will, they will turn to passages like Romans chapter 2. And verse 4, or, or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? And they will emphasize it's the goodness of God. God isn't a God of judge, of uh, brimstone and fire. But if you look at the next verse, but in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, You are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. God is a very kind God and he gives goodness to help bring people to repentance. But as we spurn the love of God and reject it, The wrath of God abides upon man. And judgment is coming. The judgment for this earth is coming. And it is important for us to realize this is exactly what Peter is talking about in 2 Peter chapter 3. He's saying just because they deny this is going to happen, it doesn't change the truth. I'm reminding you again that The heavens and earth will pass away. These things that you see will be dissolved. And so he makes a conclusion from all of this. Verse 11. Therefore, meaning, since there comes this fervent heat and both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up, since all these things will be dissolved, What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Notice what he says. Since all these things will be dissolved, that should have an effect on how we live. We should live for what lasts. We should live for what will remain. We should live godly. Now, to live godly, you must be born again. To live godly, you must have a new birth. You were born into this world as a sinner. You must be born spiritually. You were born physically. You must be born spiritually. There must be a time where you realize, I am a sinner. The wrath of God already abides on me. I am condemned already. 
The only way I can have forgiveness is through Jesus Christ. And to call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And as we call upon him for the forgiveness of sins, he gives us spiritual life. And then we are to live godly. Not investing our life in all these things that will be burned up and dissolved. There, there's no way that I can, can properly convey this. But Peter is trying to motivate us because he knows this, this world and everything in it is passing away and soon will be dissolved in a roaring flame sent by God. And the only thing that we can be assured of that will survive that judgment is that which is done in service unto the Lord. And Peter's saying, take a look around here. Take a look at at your prized possessions. They're all going to be gone. Take a look at, at what you love of this life. It's all going to be gone. And he's saying, I don't want you to spend your life living for this that will be gone. Don't waste your life in this life. Invest your life for eternity. I mean, it doesn't matter what gold and silver you have. It doesn't matter what 401k. It doesn't matter your prized hobby. It doesn't matter what your sports team does. It's all going to be gone. It doesn't matter what accomplishments you have. It doesn't matter how many certificates you have in your scrapbook or on your wall. None of that matters. It's all going to be gone. And Peter's saying, I want you to live like that. Don't get caught up in living like the false teachers for the things of this life that are going to be gone. I want you to live godly. Songwriter said years ago, only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. We need to live in that perspective. Most of the things that we worry about have no eternal significance. Most of the things that we invest our time in has no eternal significance. And what Peter is saying here, seeing that all these things, look around, all these things in your life will be gone, will be dissolved. He says, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy living, in godly living? He means in practical, daily godly living, which will show up in our personal lives, which will show up in our home. Lord willing, tonight at Praise in the Park, we'll look at some characteristics of what does it mean to live godly. But it's, it's understanding that if I really believe what Peter's saying here, it will motivate me to invest in things that will last forever. Take a look at your life. 
What are you investing your time in? What are you investing your thoughts in? What are you investing your money in? Does it reflect anything eternal? Your thoughts. What, are, what, what do you think about as you're driving down the road, as you're, as you're working, as, as you're at home? Where, where do you let your thoughts go? Are they, are they just on drivel? Are they just on trivial things? Things that it's not going to matter. In fact, a profound impact on my life is, is when someone said, you know, the things you worry about, what's it going to matter a year from now? What's it going to matter a month from now? What's it going to matter a week from now? In many cases, what's it going to matter a day from now? In some cases, one hour from now, what does it matter? You know, the things you were worried about last week, many of them have already disappeared. How many you worried about the weather this spring? How many of you did? How many of you lie through your teeth, right? How many of you watch the weather? You're concerned about it, aren't you? I used the wrong word. I should have said, how many of you are concerned about the weather? Because we're in a Christian setting. We don't worry. We know that worry is sin. And we're Christians and we don't sin. The point of the matter is, we worry about all these things in our life. And what does it matter? What does it matter how many likes you get on Twitter or Facebook or whatever? I, 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 I'm not on stuff, but even on our family group, group me thing where they send pictures and stuff, I made up my mind I'm not going to like anything. And some of you are saying, boy, you are hardcore. Here's why I'm doing it. Because... If you like someone's and you don't like someone else's, there's people, oh, he didn't like mine, but he likes so-and-so, to all of it. I'm not going to like, I, there's, there's many of them I like, and it brings a smile to my face, but I'm not going to put that like on there because I'll overlook someone and, and not like it. Now, how did I get there? I don't know. The things of this life don't matter. And Peter's saying to them, live for what lasts. Invest your life for what is going to last. You know, one of the things um, that, that encourages my heart is to see as a church body our commitment to missions because it, it kind of indicates that that we're letting go of some of the things that it's prone to hang on to, money, and we're letting go and investing them in stuff that will last forever. And that's an encouragement. So he says, seeing that everything here will be dissolved. I mean, you think about it. I love going out to the mountains out west, but they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone. I mean, all of this will be dissolved. He said, let that be a reality in your mind and motivate you to godly living. And then he comes down, verse 13, well, verse 12, 
looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Rejoice. Righteousness will rule someday. I don't know about you, but it wears on my soul all the evil that comes from my own heart and the world around us and the injustices and the lies and the fake news and on and on and on it goes. And I need to remind myself, there is coming a day when righteousness will rule. I was thinking about that. I mean, think of that. What a day that will be. And we sang that song. I mean, there'll be no news in heaven because all the news is is bad news. You know what I'm saying? Reporting live from Des Moines. Everything's good. And, And I let that go. There'll be... There'll be no preachers in heaven because a preacher's job is to proclaim the truth. Jesus Christ is there proclaiming. There'll be some preachers in heaven. I will be there. But I won't be preaching in heaven, okay? No funeral directors in heaven. Amen? No funerals up there. No doctors in heaven. We don't need that. So you better you better take up some... Some occupation that you can use in heaven, okay? That's why I'm in coaching. I'm going to be coaching a team in heaven, all right? We're going to win it all, all right? But seriously, look, realize, I get sick and tired of hearing all the corruption, all the filth, all the foul that's in the world. But wait a minute, there's coming a day when righteousness rules. Why would I expect there to be righteousness here? This is Iowa. This is the United States. This is earth. This is filled with with sin-filled people, all of us. But there's coming a day when righteousness will rule. Everything will be right. What a day that will be. And, And what a rejoicing. So if I really live for that, I'd quit griping about this life, and I'd rejoice. I mean, honestly, as I was thinking about this this morning, I thought, why do I gripe so much about what's going on in this world? I should expect it to be bad, but there is coming a day when it will be right. And he's saying to these believers, rejoice We look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Yes, God is coming in frightening judgment. And we now have the opportunity to live, because he's coming in that judgment, the opportunity to live in righteousness And we have the blessed opportunity to look forward to the day when righteousness rules. 
The story is told that during the 1960 presidential campaign, John F. Kennedy often closed his speeches with the story of Colonel Davenport, the Speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives. And one day in 1789, a horrific storm rolled in the sky of Hartford, Connecticut, ominous clouds, literally a a storm that brought fear to the hearts of those that were in its path. And some of the representatives, glancing out the windows, feared that the end was at hand. And um, quieting the, the assembly, Davenport rose and said, The day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be doing my duty when it comes. Therefore, he said, I request that candles be brought in and we continue to do what we ought to do. Rather than fearing what is to come as believers, we are to be doing what we ought to be doing in the fear of the Lord. Rather than fearing the dark, we are to be lights, we are to be godly, and we are to watch. Are we living in holiness today? Are we investing our life in that which will last forever? Are we investing our life in that which will be gone? You know, every day we make choices. Every moment we make choices what we're going to think on. Some of you have been troubled by people that have denied certain truths. And I wonder, is that really true? Denying the truth doesn't change the truth. And it is evident. It is clear. Not because of what we see going on in the Middle East and all of those things. Regardless of that, judgment is coming. God is bringing judgment. And because of that, seeing that all these things will be dissolved, wow, that ought to motivate me to godliness like never before. And until then, I look forward to the day when righteousness will rule. Heavenly Father, I pray that truth would change our lives. That we wouldn't live like the rest of the world, just chasing the temporal things of life. But Lord, that we would invest in that our time, our thoughts, our resources, our energies into that which is eternal, and that we would be found faithful in what you have entrusted to us. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that has never personally been born spiritually, that today they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, if they're not sure how to do that, that they'd mention that to one of us before they leave and we could... Show them from your word how they can know that they have everlasting life. Lord, I pray today that there would be believers that would say, you know what? 
I've, invest, I've been investing my time, my talents, my finances, my thoughts in things that will not matter and will be dissolved. And, Lord, I pray that there would be changes in our priorities. Lord, may we be motivated by the reality that someday we will be with you where righteousness rules. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stay.